It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Somebody spoke and I went into a dream. Oh, 
thousand holes in Blackburn Lancashire And though the holes were rather small I had to count them all Now they know how many holes it takes to fill over Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got a good one planned for you today, although things don't always go as planned, as I'll explain in just a moment or so. But uh, today is Wednesday, which means armchair politics. It is, in fact, the um, last edition of armchair politics, at least for a while. There's already some pushback about getting the band back together, and we haven't even really... uh, shut it down yet. Um, For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'm suspending production of the Tom Sumner program indefinitely effective this Friday, day after tomorrow, for a variety of reasons, and and I plan on taking a break for a little while. I don't know what the future will hold, but um, already some people are pushing back and saying, well, you got to at least do armchair politics. In any event, we are doing armchair politics today, as it is Wednesday. And uh, we have our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined by one of my favorite pundits. Uh, you know, we have a rotating third chair. And for this final one, we have uh, from Mississippi, uh, Mark Everson, who served in high ranking uh, government. Uh, official positions under uh, two presidential administrations. At one point, he was uh, the IRS commissioner, and he uh, served in the Justice Department. He was also a high-ranking official in INS and was uh, working for the White House on uh, September 11th, 2021. And uh, Mark is always uh, a treat to have on because He'd been inside, so when we talk about some of these things, the, you know, when we provide commentary and analysis on headlines from the world of politics and government and current events, um, he has kind of an insider's perspective. Then I also had scheduled, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and I hope that it, uh, that it does, in fact, come together and take place. I'm, I'm sort of killing time during this first segment of the show because we were supposed to start at 9. But a last-minute reconfirmation that went out (laughs) late yesterday that I didn't see until this morning had the wrong time. 
and so communications have gone out we're going back and forth with that trying to see if we can get connected with the new york times best-selling author charles brant he has a, a new book called suppressing the truth in dallas conspiracy cover-up and international complications in the jfk assassination case and the author charles brant who i'm hoping to talk to this morning um, was the uh, chief deputy attorney general of Delaware in charge of all homicides. And he was uh, also a private homicide defense attorney in the 1970s. And he's turned his expertise to picking apart the JFK assassination. And um, that's one of my favorite subjects. And in fact, um, it's going to be interesting because back in 2013, I believe, in November, um, it was the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination. And I had as a guest on the show, uh, let me see if I can find his name. I figures it's on the next page. Um, anyway, he was a former uh, Michigan treasurer. Uh, Doug Roberts was his name, and his father was the Secret Service shift leader on the day of the uh, JFK assassination. In fact, he was riding in the car directly behind JFK. And uh, he had some interesting thoughts, and I want to see how the two different perspectives uh, gel. In the meantime, uh, like I said, I'm going to kind of fill this... Uh, first segment as best I can and and we'll see if he gets caught up with us uh, in time for the next segment. In the meantime, um, here's JFK in his own words. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, had frequently demonstrated a quick and ready wit. But his audience at the 1962 White House Correspondents' Dinner was unprepared for the high humor he revealed that night. It was shortly after his now-famous clash with the steel industry, in which the industry had announced and then rescinded a steel price increase. I have a few opening announcements. <laughs> First, the sudden and arbitrary action of the offices of this organization in increasing the price of dinner tickets by two... by $2.50 over last year constitutes a wholly unjustifiable defiance of the public interest. If this increase is not rescinded, but is imitated by the gridiron, radio, TV, and other dinners, it will have a serious impact on the entire economy of this city. In this serious hour in our nation's history, when newsmen are awakened in the middle of the night to be given a front-page story. <laughs> when expense accounts are being scrutinized by the Congress. When correspondents are required to leave their families for long and lonely weekends at Palm Beach. <laughs> the American people 
will find it hard to accept this ruthless decision made by a tiny handful of executives. whose only interest is the pursuit of pleasure. (laughs) I am hopeful that the Women's Press Club will not join this price rise and will thereby force a rescission. I'm uh, sure I speak in behalf of all of us in expressing our thanks and very best wishes to Benny Goodman and his group, to Miss Gwen Verdon and Bob Force, Miss Sally Ann Howes, Mr. Reed, who has some talent, but... uh, (laughs) And uh, Mr. Peter Sellers. I I have arranged for them to appear next week on the United States Steel Hour. (laughs) Actually, uh, I didn't do it. Bobby did it, but... uh, Like uh, members of Congress, I have been, during the last few days over the Easter holiday, back in touch with my constituents and uh, seeing how they felt. And frankly, I've come back to Washington from Palm Beach, and I'm against my entire program. I really feel that the only hope in 64 is to, uh, on the Republican ticket, is to nominate uh, Barry. But to be honest, I thought that before I went to Palm Beach. (laughs) We are glad to have the Prime Minister tonight. Last night he was the guest of the publishers, and again he is tonight. We want him to know... uh... (laughs) How welcome he is. Lord Dunsany, a distinguished Irishman, said many years ago... To fight England is to fight fate. And I choose to believe in 1962 to be associated with England in a great cause is to be associated with fate. Prime Minister, we are proud to have you here again. We are... This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Everybody, it's me, Tigger, T-I-Double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, 
it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue uh, with today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And as promised, I have joining me by phone the author of a, a new book that looks at the JFK assassination from uh, 1963. 
in November, and uh, it's called Suppressing the Truth in Dallas, Conspiracy, Cover-Up, and International Implications in the JFK Assassination Case. It's written by New York Times bestselling author and former Chief Deputy Attorney General of Delaware, where he was in charge of all homicides, handled over 56 uh, cases and he's turned his expertise to the JFK assassination. His name is Charles Brandt. He joins me by phone. Charles, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, in, uh, in, in legal terms, what made you want to relitigate the, uh, <laughs> the investigation of uh, the JFK assassination? That's a uh, uh, a good question. I'm not sure myself, but <laughs> but I uh, uh, over the years. Yeah, I'm 80 now, and over the years, uh, I would see these books come out, and uh, the esteemed uh, author Vincent Bugliosi, uh, the uh, trier of the Manson case, and and the writer of the book Helter Skelter yeah. on the Man- Manson case, and uh, there were a number of, uh, uh, you know, highly intelligent people tackling this. Uh, and I just stood and watched, and uh, his book was uh, 1,600 pages. I, I read a, read some of it, but I thought, let me go to the uh, to the main issue here in, in the little bit of research I did. And I went to the main issue, and he he had it all wrong. And uh, I thought for a minute and realized, you know, he's a he was a prosecutor, a prosecuting attorney uh, in the L.A. area, but he was never really an, a homicide investigator. And I had a, 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 a there's a difference. And I had a career of investigating uh, homicides uh, assigned by the Attorney General of the State of Delaware uh, to every homicide that came in our way. And it was my job to go to the scene and and as if I were, and I was, the chief homicide officer in the state of Delaware. And I, I began to see these books come out and I realized that they weren't really experienced in the uh, investigation of homicides. Uh, they had they had no uh, their their experience maybe as 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 lawyers, uh, but not as homicide lawyers. And they had experience uh, investigating, but not homicides. Uh, you you get into the squad room of a homicide, and it's it's a whole different world, and things occur to you. And I I had a, an occasion to represent when I was doing criminal defense work to represent the the number one suspect in the Hoffa disappearance. Uh, that's the Hoffa disappearance. I'll, I'll slide right into the JFK case, but uh, and I uh, uh, I had this client who was the, the number one suspect in Hoffa's disappearance, and who uh, wanted me or not 
not him, but the um, the Philly mob uh, under Angelo Bruno wanted me to get him out of jail prematurely because of the severe medical condition that he had. And at that point in my career, I was doing plaintiff's medical malpractice. And so I, I visited him at the prison. They they gave me uh, my fee, the Angelo Bruno people. In, in the in the movie, The uh, Irishman, Angelo Bruno was the um, uh, Harvey Keitel character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank Sheeran was the... Uh, was played by by De Niro, uh, Scorsese directed it, and uh, I was an advisor on it. And uh, Frank had had confided a, a lot of stuff in me. I'm uh, not just a homicide investigator, but uh, I taught interrogation to other cops and. Uh, and I, I interrogated him, and I did it over a five-year period. I would drive up from Delaware to Philly and meet with him. He was I got him out on parole, by the way, on his medical condition, and I would meet with him, and I could see that he wanted to take that journey. Uh, when I first learned about interrogation, I, I consulted the top interrogators in our uh in our neck of the woods. And what I heard from them all was they want to tell you, child. At first I didn't believe it, but I, uh, you know, who wants to confess to a murder or who wants to uh, implicate himself? But there, there is something about confession that, uh, that, that demands an experienced interrogator. And so I, I spent five years off and on with him, and in one of my one of our sessions, he said, uh, "I said something about Lee Harvey Oswald just in passing, because I didn't really know anything about the case itself." And he froze, and he said to me, uh, and he, he stammered. He was six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. And and the toughest hitman in in the world, I'm sure, but a very tough man. Uh, and he said he waved me away with with his hand, and he said, um, "I'm not going anywhere near Dallas." At the time, we were talking about Hoffa, and I used the phrase "lone cowboy" in passing. And that's when he said, I'm not going anywhere near Dallas. And I thought to myself, neither am I. You know, I didn't bargain for this. I, I agreed to talk to him about Hoffa. And uh, he, he and I then mutually stayed away from each other for eight years. I didn't take his calls. It wasn't something I... I wanted to do, and it wasn't something that I thought was safe. From, and my wife certainly didn't want me to continue to, to deal with him. Uh, my law partner felt the same way. Stay away from this guy, Charlie. Because if he tells me something, and they happen to have, I said, they, I mean the, the mafia, 
happens to have his phone tapped because they do that to each other. All of a sudden, you don't realize it, but you've been on a tapped phone. And um, I didn't want to end up on the wrong side of these people, having knowledge I shouldn't have. And not that I expected that he really had knowledge about the, uh, the but he did. <laughs> uh, and as, as we worked together, he returned to me, uh, brought to me by his, one of his daughters who had taken him to St. To a, uh, their nearby church and the Monsignor, and uh, he wanted to talk to me again. This was eight and a half years after he made that comment. I'm not going anywhere near Dallas, and um, and I agreed to to re- return to the subject, primarily because some of the top uh, mafia guys in the Philly area which Delaware is in the Philly area. Some of the top mafia guys in the Philly area died. And I wasn't as concerned about, uh, it was only one that was threatening to me, a guy named Big Billy D'Elia. And and I agreed to take a shot at it. And that was a five-year process. Well, being from Michigan, I'm, I'm, fascinated by uh, the Jimmy Hoffa story, as you might imagine. Um, And and I'm old enough to remember when he disappeared. Um, But... No fair bringing age into it now. Come on. (laughs) Be be kind to your guests. (laughs) Well, first, you know, some of of these things... Well, that... And that raises kind of an interesting question in and of itself is, you know, for a lot of people... Uh, the things we're talking about right now, Charles, are, are somewhat ancient history. And what is the significance of of bringing these stories back? I, I do a lot of interviews with people that are um, writing or reminiscing about uh, World War II and the end of World War II as various anniversaries have gone by. Um, why is it important to go back and and revisit these things and and for so many years the warren report was sort of the last word on uh, the jfk assassination has has that uh, the warren commission's report been debunked and um and, and by me <laughs> what's that by me by my my book suppressing the truth in Dallas is the name of the book, and uh, suppressing the truth is what Earl Warren did. Well, I want to I want to ask about about that um, suppression because I did an interview back in 2013 uh, with uh, at that, that it was the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination. It was in November that year. And a former Michigan treasurer, Doug Roberts, um, guested on the show. A former Michigan, what word did you use after that? Treasurer. Former Michigan. Treasurer. Right. He was, he was a former Michigan treasurer. Doug Roberts was his name. And okay. his father was the Secret Service shift leader 
that day in Dallas and was riding in the car directly behind JFK. Right. And Doug remembered the day and his dad coming back from Dallas and, you know, going down the basement and typing his report on a manual typewriter and all that. And they went to the White House and he mm-hmm. turned in his report. And anyway, um, I told you that story to tell you this, that Doug said throughout the rest of his father's life, he always supported the findings of the Warren Commission report. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fairly interesting because he was there, you know, he knew things. Um, but you think, um, and and it's entirely possible that he was a participant in the very cover-up that you're you're hinting at when you talk about uh, uh, Earl Warren well, suppressing the truth. Well, I don't think Mr. Roberts was a participant in the cover-up. The cover-up was was staged and. Uh, and run by, uh, I have to say, the great Earl Warren, because his reputation is uh, impeccable, particularly for the civil rights uh, decisions that he that he made. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you'll be when you read the book, and I hope you do. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to yet, and I apologize for that, Charles. Well, it's not a very long book, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, in the in two hundreds of pages, and um, and it, it is it is what I brought to the table was the the solution of of, um, of over fifty. They I, uh, an interviewer asked me uh, when I was promoting the Hoffa book how many uh, homicides. I thought that I handled, and I thought, oh, God, it was not a matter of how many. It was, it was a constant. I was immersed in it as the chief deputy uh, in charge of all homicides in my state. I was immersed in it, and I started thinking of some of the victims, and I counted to 56 in my head just from memory. And uh, I thought, you know, I've got this fellow who's Frank Sheeran, the Irishman, and he he knows something about the Hoffa case. Yes, I got that. Uh, and then I became friends with the Hoffa case agent, a guy named Bob Garrity. He gave me his whole file. So I I had corroboration galore on Hoffa. And then I, I um, moved that skill of, of uh, interrogation over to the JFK assassination and uh, it, it began to come together for me and so I decided to try making a book out of it uh, and this is the result what you what you hopefully will read it's uh- certainly the truth of what happened and the guy orchestrating it was Earl Warren. And, uh, and or, the I, I want to be clear it, about this. Earl Warren was orchestrating the suppression of truth, but not the assassination. Yes. No. No. Because it, it, uh, it could have been construed that way, Charles. I, I, I just wanted to... Um, 
peel yeah. that back just a little bit. The um, the killings of of well the president JFK, but also that day and and a day or two later, um, that day Officer Tippett and and a day or two later Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, mm-hmm. Are those all of them solved by me? All of them. And are they? And the Bay of Pigs invasion. Are they connected differently than the way we understand it? How do you mean that? Well, they officially, the story is Lee Harvey Oswald on the run from shooting JFK. Uh, is confronted by Officer mm-hmm. Tippett, shoots him, and then a couple days later, a distraught nightclub owner from Dallas sneaks into the basement of the police department and shoots and kills Lee Harvey Oswald. That is the official story that that people have been um, that officials have been sticking to for the last sixty plus years. Um, are they connected differently than that chain of events? Yes. Yes. That chain of events doesn't really solve it. And, for example, the Tippett murder, um, the the idea that that Tippett was was murdered by uh, Oswald. That that's true. There's no. And and that's a, an official story, but why he was murdered was not known until I uncovered it for for my book. It, it was it was believed to be uh, a uh, it, it was believed that Oswald was uh, a suspect, and when Tippett got out of his police car uh he was gunned down he was no suspect he was not a tippet was not a uh confronting a suspect and i explain all that as as a homicide investigator that that homicide is explained the relation of these various murders to the truth is uh is exposed by me and what, what i did for a living and what about the killing of um lee harvey oswald which literally played out on television um i named the police officer i saw it on tv i was a junior high english teacher at the time and uh somebody walked into the teacher's room and said J- jfk was just shot one of the uh, uh, social studies teachers mm-hmm and so we all found a TV to to watch it and, sure. and uh, dismissed the the school, you know. So I had a uh, an early view of it, but uh, I didn't I did I re- didn't really get involved in it until Frank Sheeran said those words to me. I'm not going anywhere near Dallas, and I tucked them away for eight years, eight and a half years. And return to them when I when I could no longer stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that impulse, um, Charles. The um, 
I mean, it's going to take a, it's going to take a, a lot of reading of the book uh, by a lot of people for it to become the universal truth, but it will be. There's no question about it. You talk about international yes. complications in the JFK assassination. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are some of those, and and what? Why Why do we have? A Jack Ruby gunning down Lee Harvey Oswald. If if there's a much bigger uh, story well, to be told, you called it because I'm just releasing it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, you know it's uh, it's a homicide investigation. I realized early on when I started looking at the material. <coughs> excuse me. I started looking at the material by reading the Warren Commission report, which I had never read. And I would say halfway through it, I had it all figured out. And I realized that these uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, in, their, in their guts, they realized that something's not right about this Warren Commission and something's not right about this and that. And nothing was right. And... Uh, it, it, I thought, let a homicide. None of these people that are writing these these uh, conspiracy theory books have any experience in homicide. They have no experience in shoplifting. So l- let me use my experience and and see if I can figure this stuff out. I never failed to figure it out when I when I was a prosecutor, when I was a homicide investigator. I had a wonderful boss, the Attorney General of the State of Delaware, Laird Stabler. When he hired me for the office, he, he told me that he wanted me to, because the, the rules of, of engagement were changing constantly, uh, the, the rules from on high from the various courts, and, and they were governing police work. And uh, the, uh, excuse me, <coughs> And they um, were written uh, by uh, uh, people without homicide experience. And they were written by these people, well-meaning people, but these people had never handled a a shoplifting case. And I figured it all out the way I did as the boss of of the office in homicide and once i had it figured out i i had to turn it into a narrative charles i have to take a uh a short break here can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more certainly try and stop me (laughs) okay my guest is charles brandt the book is suppressing the truth in dallas conspiracy cover-up and international complications in the jfk assassination case we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in if you're streaming us we have some messages as well hi this is joe by from the blue Lions, and you're listening to the tom sumner program right now the covid19 vaccines are available to millions of americans and soon they will be available to everyone this vaccine means hope it will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease 
I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the author of uh, a new book, 
promises to be the, uh, the final word on the assassination of uh, then-President John Fitzgerald Kennedy back in uh, 1963 in uh, Dallas. It's called Suppressing the Truth in Dallas. The author is New York Times best-selling author Charles Brandt, who joins me by phone. Charles, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Are you kidding? My pleasure. Um, and, and we just have uh, a few minutes left. Um, and, and I want to... Um, you want to ask me about international complications, is I, what you want. I do indeed. That's exactly... You're reading my mind, Charles. Well, that's what I did as an interrogator. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, that's what, that's what I did for a living. So anyway, international complications... Uh, I I decided to read every book I could get my hands on for for the JFK assassination and um and it, and and all the rest of them you know I, some some writers refer to it as assassination weekend which is what it was it was a weekend and we lived through it you and I at whatever age we were at the time we lived through this uh, slaughter in Dallas, and uh, some of the books are very helpful. Uh, an author by the name of Max Holland uh, was a, um, excuse me, <clears throat> an author by the name of Max Holland uh, wrote a book about the tapes that were kept in the White House by LBJ. And those tapes were very helpful for, for me to understand the, the crime, what, what happened. Let me, uh, let me go back to something you said in the last segment, um, Charles. You said you read the uh, Warren Commission report and you got about halfway through and you had figured it out. Correct. That suggests to me that the information, the evidence, was all there to begin with. But, Correct. But people had been drawing the wrong conclusions. On purpose. Suppression of the truth is, is what was done. It was the only... Um, uh, unsolved homicide I ever saw, purposely unsolved. It was thrown the way a fighter throws a. Why would uh, why would so much evidence be left sitting there in the in the public square, if the intention because, was to suppress it? Because the the public is not they're not homicide investigators. And so I, I, I decided to, I was the only one. I decided, when I decided to do the book, I decided that I had to solve everything about it and uh, leave no stone unturned. And that's exactly right. That's what I did. And I did it pretty quickly. I was able to see things and understand them through the vision of a homicide investigator. Charles, the yeah, um, it, your, yeah. yeah, it does. Um, the 
um, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how best to find a note to, to end our conversation on as much as I'd like to continue for an hour or two. Um, but Well, let's go to international complications. Okay, let's, let's do that and talk about um, how that connects to Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby or... Those are the words of LBJ. He had he. What you see when you um, when your instincts take you there, what you see is a suppression of the truth in Dallas. That's the name of the book. Why would someone suppress the truth in Dallas? Didn't we have a commission that was supposed to uncover the truth? It we was set up by LBJ. And I noticed that, that they were speaking their own kind of language, the way the mafia did. You know, I'd written three books on the mafia. And uh, uh, their, their language included the phrase international complications. As, J, as LBJ was putting together the Warren Commission to be the the final answer. He was doing it in a panic, and he was doing it that very first week. By the end of the week, on tape, they they had the, they had put the commission together, and it was clearly done to cover the crime. Well, let me you let know me anybody. Do this. Who, let me do this, Charles. Cause so international international complications cause we, was code was code for well, something called felony murder. Well, sadly, we're we're out of time, and we're going to have to leave it there. But I I really want to thank you for spending uh, this time with me and the listeners this morning. And I I want to ask uh, a couple of things very very quickly. Um, Sure. Is there another book on the horizon from Charles Brandt? <laughs> and um, <laughs> I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I suspect there's a lot of information available about you on various book sites like Amazon and so on. Uh, if people search uh, initially for suppressing yeah. the truth in Dallas by Charles Brandt, you can you can probably find out more. Um, I helped with the screenplay on the uh, uh, in, in New York. I met with De Niro and. Uh, uh, and, and those people working on the screenplays, Marty Scorsese, they put me up in a hotel. Nice. And uh, I, I did a lot of work on the um, the book, The Irishman. Well, the book is called I Heard You Paint Houses, which were the first words that Jimmy Hoffa ever uttered to his right-hand man, Frank the Irishman Sheeran. And well, that's a, a, a book, a single book. And this is another standalone book. Well, Charles, we'll have Jumping. to leave it there. I'll just say, you know, thank you and keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, Tom. All Appreciate right. you having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Charles Brandt. The book is Suppressing the Truth in Dallas. Armchair Politics coming up at the top of the hour. We'll be back with more. 
Here. 